You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. football fans and welcome to the fourth episode of the Wilson Football Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, alongside of me, co-host Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it's been been a little bit since uh, we checked in, so uh, we'll, we'll get you up to date on uh, all the Wilson football news. Yeah, and uh, we're here uh, to uh, talk about the uh, end of the Wilson football season. We've got the final two games of the regular season to recap, and then the uh, two games that Wilson played in the 2015 District 3 Quad A playoffs. And uh, we'll go over highlights of that those games, some statistics, our thoughts on each of the contests, and then we'll wrap up with some... Uh, obviously the players of each of those games, a, a player of the year award, and just some uh, individual accomplishments that we wanted to point out that has happened through the 12-week uh, uh, season that the 2015 Bulldogs uh, took part in. So unfortunately we are here to completely wrap up. We're hoping to just be doing a, uh, um, you know, our second to last show here with another one coming up in a few weeks. Uh, but the, the season came to an end uh, two weeks ago now uh, in the playoffs against Central Dolphin East. But, um, you know, another 10-win season for the Bulldogs as, you know, one of the many streaks that they uh, have uh, have seen happen uh, recently. We talked about on the last show some of the things that were they had already clinched or were about to clinch again. And just, just to recap them um, once again, uh, Wilson has 57 consecutive league wins. They won against Penn Manor and Warwick, which we'll talk about in a second, to extend their winning streak in the league to 57, which, again, they're just setting a new record every time they win, a record that they uh, eclipsed against Hempfield in the middle of this season. Uh, was previously owned by Mannheim Central. They have now 52 straight non-losing seasons, 40 straight winning seasons, uh, and they've now won eight straight outright undefeated league titles, and this was also the eighth straight season with 10 or more wins. Those are some ridiculous numbers when you i mean they they start to become um i think maybe they lose some of the effect just because uh, people around the program hear hear about them so often uh that you know they they know about those long streaks but uh when you sit back and you kind of think about what that means like 57 straight league wins that's that's absurd um when you talk about what was it 52 consecutive non-losing seasons you know things like that um those are just ridiculous numbers and 40 straight winning seasons. Um, those are, those are amazing numbers. Um, and it kind of, you know, shows you where, where the program has been and, and is, and hopefully will continue to be for a long time. Yeah. And we'll talk about this towards the end of the show. Um, the future is still bright in West lawn, much to the chagrin, I'm sure of the Lancaster Lebanon league. There are a lot of, uh, starters returning and not as many as this year, but there's a good amount of starters coming back to, uh, look forward to the 2016 season and there's a lot of underclassmen that w you know will be seniors or even some sophomores to be juniors uh, that are expected to play quite a large role for the 2016 team but uh, we're not here to talk about them we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that in the spring and summer 
but we're going to focus on the 2015 season and uh, congratulate the, the seniors going out this year with just some incredible statistics. Like we talked about this before, how many games these seniors got to play. Right. You know, they played 12 games this year. They played 15 games last year. And then as sophomores, they were also able to play 13. So, you know, that's what 40 games. Yeah. You're only guaranteed 30 if you play a 10-game regular season. You're guaranteed 30 if you play for three years. They played an, inf- an entire season more uh, right. being a part of the, these three uh, squads that they were from 2013 through 2015 seasons. So um, lot, lots of a, a great accomplishments for them. Um, there was actually also a trio that were here for four years, and their, uh, their records are just astronomical when, when you think about it, uh, when you include the 2012 season. Uh, they actually got to play, I believe it was, 55 games in four years. It's absurd. <laughs> it is absurd to, th- to think about it like that. But uh, there will also be changes coming up, and, and, and Justin and I might actually do a, a shorter show in the future once everything's ironed out to talk about the reclassification of the PIAA um, football system. Now, obviously, it actually filters down to all of the sports throughout Pennsylvania uh, voted on in the fall by the, the board of directors. Uh, obviously, we're just going to focus on football, though, and we're going to break down exactly w- what's going to happen in the future, starting with the 2016 season in terms of the six classifications that are incoming. There's four right now. Where Wilson fits, what opponents will be with them, what opponents are going to drop down and what we won't see in the playoffs, and also what the playoff structure will be. But we can't do that now because we don't know it yet. It doesn't exist yet. We just got the information um, about a week ago on how uh, the the schools will actually be divided up. There were all kinds of projections, and most of the projections were pretty accurate. Um, and, you know, like, like Joe mentioned, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that at a later point in time, but uh, the playoff structure and the classification as we know it has, has changed in Pennsylvania. Many would say it's long overdue. Um, some would say it not necessarily a fix it's just different for the sake of being different um but i guess that depends on who you ask and and all those different things so anyway um moving forward like we said the the structure will be different but we're going to get into some of the uh end of season you know the last two regular season games and the two playoff games we're going to get into that uh in just a second here yeah we're going to do it right now we'll start with week nine of the regular season that's when wilson hosted penn manor uh, and it was not a contest uh, at at all. No. Uh, it's amazing to me how far back Penn Manor has gone in just literally one year. Uh, we know Coach Mealy resigned to pursue um, personal, uh, really, to better himself uh, in terms of his education. He's working right. on a doctorate, so he stepped back to, to work towards that. Um, Coach Brubaker from Mannheim Central moved over and took over the Comets, uh, but you could see over the last few years that the, the talent pool wasn't as right. deep. I think a few years ago that I don't think they could field a freshman team. I think, you know, I think there has been, I don't want to say trouble. That's not the right word. But I think there have been some bumps in the road, like, that they could see coming for a long time. Uh, and everything, it was kind of like a perfect storm. You know, coaching changes, lack of numbers in the program. Just there were a lot of different things uh, contributing. But, yeah, Penn Manor did, did take a step back this year. And, you know, hopefully they can get things moving in the right direction again because th- those were some great games, but this was not one of them. Yeah, 2011 through 2014, Penn Manor was a big stumbling block for Wilson. Now, they never actually did uh, t- take down Wilson, which they've never done. Hmm. Uh, the comments have never beaten the Bulldogs. But 
they've always been the good competition pretty much since I really got back involved with the high school program and working with, on the sidelines with the, uh, the social media updates and the pictures and then now starting this radio show. Uh, back you know 2010 or so Penn Manor really got built up and for a couple of years I believe it was 2012 and 2013 with Charlie Bell they, those are some strong teams that they, yeah. and we played them in the, in the regular season and the playoffs and they were never an easy yeah they were always no. strong strong teams good games but this year 2015 version of Penn Manor football not, not the greatest they didn't win a single game they finished 0 and 10 Wilson got the better of them 42 to 21 and that that score is a incredibly deceptive because Wilson was up 35 nothing in the first quarter yeah I, I've never seen a football game like that no um we said at the end of the first quarter, I've never seen a game less competitive um than, than this game and that that may hold true even though I've been watching some Eagles games that are pretty close <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit of the game here we have some highlights first up here is going to be the first touchdown of the game which was a 50 yard pass from Colin Powers to John Fox and that started the scoring off very very quickly and uh, actually the first few plays uh, in you know for either team on offense it kind of ended up being John Fox show because here you're going to see him pick off the pass and return it deep in Penn Manor territory setting up Wilson's second touchdown, which we're going to see here at the end of John Fox's interception return, is going to be an Alex Twyford one-yard run. And uh, Wilson, all of a sudden, is going to be up big, and uh, we're only halfway through the first quarter. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we continue to kind of go through here, you know, Wilson was just dominating. Um, you see, we we had talked about, I think, at the end of the last show how uh, – Shane Dancer had gotten back in it, and here we go again. Yeah. Just he weaves, he cut Shane. back, and he was dragging defenders down to the Penn Manor seven, and he's gonna finish it off here with a seven-yard touchdown run. And all of a sudden, with five more than five minutes left in the first quarter, Wilson was up twenty-eight nothing. Yeah, it was um, quickly got out of hand. <laughs> yeah, like I, I said, I, it just wasn't competitive at all. Oh my god. Yeah, we're watching a defensive play here, a sack by Isaac Schoenauer, and he just ran over the running back trying to block him, and he would have nothing to it. Um, then the, the next highlight is a 19-yard touchdown pass from Colin Powers to Adam Close, and uh, with 42 seconds left, Wilson was up 35 to nothing in the first quarter. There was a couple other um, big runs here. We're going to highlight a 15-yard run by Shane Dantzler. And that would be one of the last plays that the uh, starting varsity would play. I'm not even sure which quarter. We may be towards the end of the second or very, very, very early third. Because, again, Wilson was up, uh, I believe, uh, 42 nothing at halftime. Yeah, I think this was still the second quarter. Just um, It looks like Yurig uh, is in at quarterback. Right, so Colin Powers is already taken out right. uh, at the end of the first half yeah. for uh, sophomore Connor Yurig. Um then we saw a little bit of the pack of running back Tommy O'Brien. On fourth and one, he just carried the pile down the field. Um, and then we're going to see a, a touchdown pass here from the backup quarterback, Connor Urig. Um, this will put up Wilson 42 nothing. So Wilson didn't score it all in the second, but again, they didn't really need to. There right. wasn't anything. And there you can see on the screen the final score, 42-21 to 21 against Penn Manor. So... Um, no real resistance whatsoever from from that from that team. Uh, it, it was just ugly. Yeah. It was it was they were fun to, to see at the right. time as a Wilson fan that thirty five nothing in the first quarter when you could basically do nothing wrong. But in the end, right? I know you know when when we uh, saw the 
the end of the game, Penn Manor scored a couple touchdowns late in the first or late in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, with their starters against uh, many of the younger guys for Wilson. Um, but and you know there are some issues there. You know it, the intensity kind of dropped off a little bit, but that happens when you're up 42 nothing uh, in a game. Like I said, it, from every aspect was as non-competitive as as you're gonna find. Um, so, needless to say, um, Wilson rolled through that one. Um, and uh, did you want to give any of the stats? Like yeah, yeah. Around? I mean, we can go a little bit. It's it, it really is deceiving. Like the final score, you look at the box score, forty-two twenty-one. Wow, Wilson gave up twenty-one points to a team that hadn't won a game. Well, they did, but it all came in fourth quarter time against third, fourth stringers. You know, we're talking JV um, sophomores, players just finally getting some varsity time. Um, Coach Doms was not too pleased with uh, the effort from from those guys getting no. time on a Friday night. And that's the best they could do against a team that was not very talented. Right. Uh, and he let them know that. Uh, but it really was. If I said, and I, I mean this, if Wilson plays that whole game, their starters, their key guys play, I think they put 100 on. They probably could. I think it would be really close. Yeah, I definitely say like eighty plus, just because I feel like it would be hard. It would be right. I mean, you're not going to get thirty five every quarter, but you could easily get two each quarter the rest of the way, which gets you into the seventy some range. You know, right? right. Um, So it's possible. They could have. It's possible. Anything could happen. Um, But it just, you know, that's not what they take their guys out. They they want rest. They want to get. They don't want. It's not the point to embarrass a, a squad. Uh, and Penn Manor just didn't have anything going for it. Hopefully they bounce back next year. Yeah. Um, but just looking at some of the stats, again, they're not overwhelming. Wilson had 11 first downs, 158 passing yards, only 283 total yards, 125 rushing yards. You know, nothing nothing uh, too exciting. I mean, the, fir- the first quarter was the exciting part where you, right. sc- where you, where you scored five touchdowns. Um, you know, at one point they, had, they scored three touchdowns in three minutes and 30 seconds. You know, they had the, the the kickoff return, they had the huge pass play to Fox, and then uh, the interception by Fox set up the Twyford, uh, the Twyford um, touchdown. And that's the one thing that I didn't get to show in the highlight was Shane Dancer returned the opening kickoff. Um, what was it, ninety five yards, which is yeah. one of the longer longer plays in Wilson history. I couldn't show it unfortunately because it wouldn't let me cut that clip out. So we missed the, the Shane Dantzler 95 yard kickoff return for a touchdown to start the game, um, but we saw the the John Fox 58 yard touchdown and the Fox interception to set up Alex Twyford's touchdown, 21 um, nothing with 8:13 to go in the first quarter. <laughs> um, you're not going to get that series of events all the time, obviously, but I do. If if Wilson played their guys the whole time, it it would have been bad. It, it just would have yeah. w- wasn't wasn't going to be good. So. Um, player of the game. Let's take a look at who we think was the best player on the field. We're only going on about a quarter and a half here yeah. in, in terms of the starters. So uh, it wasn't the easiest to pick. It, most of the games haven't been easy. Usually there's been a, two or three guys that have stepped up and just had incredible games. Uh, for the Penn Manor game, though, we're going to go with senior wide receiver safety John Fox for his efforts uh, in the, the first quarter was kind of the John Fox show. Uh, he had two catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown, two tackles, and that interception. Uh, looking at the uh, the film and the stats, and from being there and seeing it ourselves, uh, just you know, we feel John Fox was uh, the the best player on the field against Penn Manor, and uh, once again, he is our player of the game. 
Wilson came back the next week at home once again in the regular season finale with a chance to clinch not only an eighth straight league title, which they had already guaranteed themselves a share of by beating Penn Manor, but beating Warwick meant that it was going to be their eighth straight outright title, not tying with anyone else, and also going undefeated for eight straight years. Now, Warwick, two of the last three years, albeit both of the games at Warwick, have given Wilson a bit of a, a tussle. And both of those teams, 2012 and 2014, went on to win the district title and go to play in the Western Final. In 2012, down at Warwick, I, I think uh, Wilson was up maybe 6 nothing at halftime, something like that, yeah. uh, before getting a, a talking to and coming out and exploding in the second half and winning that one. Then last year, 2014, again, at one point, I believe it was like 3-2 to two or 6-2. to two. It was interesting. Wilson ended up holding on. I think they won that one 19-2, possibly. I'm not sure Warwick scored other than the safety. Uh, so Warwick, despite them not having uh, a lot of success recently, they've given Wilson a game more often than not over the last few years. But that was not the case this year, thankfully. Uh, the Bulldogs came out and took care of business and took it to Warwick, winning by a score of 41-7. to and the Bulldogs locked up their eighth straight league title, eighth straight undefeated run, and stretched their consecutive league victory streak, victory streak to 57. So let's take a look a little bit at the highlights from the Warwick game. The, the first one's an interesting one, and I'm only showing it because the coaching staff was not happy with the call. Uh, it's actually an onside kick by Warwick, which they apparently recover. Um, but you can see, uh, if you're watching, Coach Doms and the staff not exactly happy. Uh, it has to go 10 yards. If, if it doesn't go 10 yards, the receiving team must touch it before 10 yards for the kicking team to recover. Um, it doesn't look like any of that had happened, and somehow Warwick got the ball nine yards down the field, right. which, you know, if you know the rules, that can't really happen. Um, so coaching staff not happy with that, but the kids went out and uh, performed anyways, and... Within a couple of plays, uh, this was able to happen by way of junior safety Tommy O'Brien picking off the pass, and he took it all the way down to the Warwick 13-yard line, and that then finally was able to set the tone for, uh, for the Wilson game. And Shane Dancer would take it in from eight yards out a few plays later, and Wilson really relied on their heavy set. When you have a backfield that features... John Fox, Alex Twyford, and Shane Dantzler, yeah. it's tough to stop. And uh, these teams at the end of the year definitely had a tough time doing that. We saw it against uh, Manheim Township, Penn Manor, and now once again against Warwick. There was a sack by junior defensive end Alex Twyford. Now we see more from John Fox in the heavy set. And then we're going to see that incredible uh, backfield once again of Twyford, Fox, and Dantzler. But this time Fox gives it to Dantzler for an 11-yard rush. And uh, we're soon going to get the Bulldogs' second touchdown. Again, a Shane Dantzler run uh, with just seven minutes left in the first quarter. Wilson's going to be up 14-0 after this six-yard touchdown by Shane Dantzler. And now finally, after so many tries, Mason McElroy was going to find the end zone on a punt return. Uh, I believe before this he had at least two, maybe even three, 
punt return touchdowns called back due to penalties, some of which we don't believe were actually penalties. And I'm sure he's seen that on the film, um, that the phantom penalties called on his punt returns were probably getting to him. But Mason McElroy finally got in the end zone on one. A player, a couple players this year that definitely uh, took it to another level, Ben Harris and uh, Brett Kaufman, uh, looking at the season-to-date stats, and both of them are going to end up on the um, single-season list for most sacks um so it, it's great to hear from both of them uh we're, we're finishing up some of the uh highlights here again from warwick with the, the the victory was a big one 41 to 7 obviously there's a lot of going on on offense we see more from the heavy set of john fox and uh one of the marquee plays from this season the shovel pass generally to alex twyford uh, although he did fumble there it was recovered by Wilson and the Bulldogs would end up punching it in right here thanks to a hookup between Colin Powers and Jake Gaiman. So finishing uh, the regular season at 9-1, and one, there wasn't, uh, you know, the only time that Wilson really struggled. The game against Mifflin to start the season, the teams were trying to feel each other out. Mifflin's always a tough matchup because of that offense, especially when you're breaking in so many new linemen, as we heard uh, Coach Walbert talk about at the beginning of the season. Then uh, Central Dolphin in Week 3, which we knew one of the best teams in the state, to suffer the one-point loss at home. You know, you don't want to lose, but that was understandable. Then other than Hempfield in Week 6, which Wilson escaped with a 15-9 victory to set the, uh, the league victory streak record, Wilson really didn't have many close games. They really, really dominated throughout the season. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you kind of talked about it before leading in. Warwick, um, the last few years, has caused some problems uh, for Wilson. So um, it was good to see Wilson go out and kind of just handle handle business uh, from the start, um, you know, and just be able to kind of work on some things and, and get some things right and, and still be able to kind of uh, win handily at, at the end here um, going – going into the playoffs. Yeah, just to recap the regular season again, 9 and 1, 7 and 0 in the league. League champs, they were number 2 seed in the District 3 Quad A playoffs. Throughout the uh the 10 week regular season, Wilson was able to rack up uh 328 points scored to only allowing 115. Uh that was an average game of 33 to 12, which is just completely misleading because Wilson varsity defense was just electric during the regular season uh the the starting varsity defense surrendered just 36 points in 10 games and only 13 of those came in league play so in seven games they only gave up 13 points to to league opponents that's that's crazy they they gave up now this is across the whole season they gave up a field goal to mifflin they gave up 20 to central dolphin they gave up a touchdown to mccaskey and they gave up a touchdown to manheim township but there that kick failed um so 36 total points surrendered in 10 games, 3.6 average, and in league, less than two. That's absurd. It, it is absurd what, what they were doing uh, during the regular season. Uh, offense, not too bad either. They're actually pretty balanced. They ended up getting 77 first downs through uh, on the ground and 72 on the in the air. And again, when you look at the... Um, the way they were getting it in the yards per game, they got 157.8 average on the ground, 177.1 average through the air. So a balanced attack, which is generally a good thing to have. 
yeah, if one, one area gets shut down, the other area can can pick it up. We saw that against Central Dolphin. The running game couldn't get going, but Colin Powers had a phenomenal game in some weeks. Passing game, just just not there. Rushing game picked up. And there were many games that Wilson gained two, over 250 yards on the ground. Yeah, and uh, like you said, it, it was uh, a very balanced offensive attack. Um, and it really, you know, especially once they started working in those different sets uh, partway through the year, um, they really didn't have – a lot of teams weren't sure exactly how to kind of line up and stop it, um, you know, because they just had so many weapons, you, you know, where are you going to go to to get those stops? So um, it, it was kind of uh, interesting to see how that played out. And like you mentioned a couple times already, um, handled their business uh, throughout the league play and, and throughout the regular season. So they were able to kind of extend those streaks uh, that we've talked about, um, you know, repeatedly on the show. And we have another player of the game to hand out here for his efforts against Warwick. We finally got to give Shane Dantzler a player of the game. Now, he missed a majority of the regular season recovering from a, a knee injury. He came back against Conestoga Valley. He was used sparingly. And he finally got going against Township and Penn Manor. And then we saw him play really well against Warwick. He rushed 16 times for 101 yards scoring three touchdowns on the ground. He also had two receptions for seven yards. But it was a good game from Shane Dantzler and the offensive line for their efforts. Uh, Shane's our player of the game against Warwick. Well, now it was on to the playoffs for the Bulldogs. And again, I mentioned before, but they were the number two seed in District 3 Quad A. Central Dolphin earned the number one. Local team Exeter was in the three spot. And uh, Wilson was looking forward to home field advantage uh, up until uh, their, their whatever their final game may be. They were going to be at home un until the end. And the first-round opponent was the 15-seeded Harrisburg Cougars, which we have seen um, recently. We saw in uh, 2012. We saw them twice. In 2013, we also had a game, a game against them. And here they are back in the first round of the District 3 Quad A playoffs in 2015. You also mentioned earlier, we alluded to the different uh, configurations of the playoffs moving forward. Harrisburg is one of those teams that will no longer be in the same classification as Wilson. Correct. Uh, Harrisburg, I think to the surprise of many people, is not as big of a school as right. I, I was. I was I very was surprised, surprised when I saw uh, it. They will be, I believe, a 5A They will be a 5A year. team. Other 5A teams that Wilson has played recently or has a history with, um, Cedarcrest, dropping down to yeah, section there, two yeah, of the LL. Section two of the LL, yeah. Then Conestoga Valley on our league schedule, at least for the next two years. Lebanon moving up for the next two years, at least. Also 5A. And then the big one, Governor Mifflin, you know, our biggest rival, week one opponent since we're not in the same league anymore. They will be 5A, meaning that this was the last chance for the foreseeable future that Wilson and Mifflin could have met in the playoffs, and it, it wasn't meant to be this season. Uh, so those are the big uh, new 5A teams that Wilson uh, could play in the regular season but can never meet in the playoffs with the way things will be organized in 2016 going forward. But, yeah, Wilson and Harrisburg, you know, we remember back in 2012, Harrisburg came in and kind of upset the Bulldogs in week two of the regular season. Uh, Wilson was expected to do big things in 2012, which they ended up doing. But in week two, they got upset by the Cougars. Now the teams got to meet in the District 3 final, and Wilson took care of business then and won the district title, their fifth uh, in program history. We then uh, finished our back-to-back -back, uh, regular season meetings with Harrisburg in 2013. 
with a Wilson team that many thought were going to go, you know, six and four and maybe lose some streaks. Obviously, the league victory streak was going to end and all that. They didn't think they were going to compete very much. Well, um, the 2013 team didn't take that lightly and um, ran through the league or the regular season schedule undefeated at 10 and 0 uh, with a victory over Harrisburg in week two at Harrisburg on a Saturday morning. Uh, so no meaning between the teams in 2014, but then here they are in the first week of the playoffs in 2015. And uh, Wilson didn't have many problems with the Cougars. It kind of was reminiscent no. of the Penn Manor game from two right. weeks and if prior. You look, if you look at the score, you know, I, I said that the Penn Manor game was as non-competitive as a game I've ever seen. And even though this score was more lopsided, I stand by that statement. This game, it wasn't close. I don't, I don't want to give that impression. But at the same time... Um, you know, there was at least um, Harrisburg had at least the ability to to make some plays. Now they didn't make very many plays uh, throughout the game. Wilson was uh, again ready to go and kind of firing on all cylinders here. But even though the score may not indicate it, I feel like um, Harrisburg, um, you know, while they struggled, you know, they were, they still had a little bit more going for them, as you can see by the fact that they were a 500 team coming into the playoffs and. Um, you know, made the district three playoffs. It's a little, it's a step up from, from the Penn Manor team that was able to come out and compete this year. Right. And I mean, they play in the mid pen, so, you know, they're, they're facing right. stiff, yeah. you know, very good competition. Uh, they seem to kind of give up towards the end of the season though. They got blown out by Carlisle, which allowed Carlisle to make the playoffs right. as the 16th And also seed. caused Harrisburg to have to play Wilson. And made, yeah, if Harrisburg would have beaten Carlisle, they would have been the 14th seed and would have went to Exeter, which I don't think they would have fared much better. No. And no. Cedar Crest would have been at West Lawn. Um, it flip flopped, but you know neither team put up much of a fight. Wilson beat up on Harrisburg, and, and Exeter did the same to Cedar Crest. Uh, but that's kind of was expected of a one sixteen two fifteen three fourteen matchup, and Which, that's why it's likely that that's going away now that there are six classifications. District three is down to only sixteen teams in the six A classification, which means they're obviously not going to take all sixteen. You're likely looking at the top eight. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people. If you look at the the first round scores uh, from the from any from basically quad A or triple A in District Three, where uh, they take sixteen teams, you look at those first round scores. I don't believe there were many upsets at all, and most of the scores the were lopsided. And a lot of the upsets weren't really true. I mean, they are because that's the way the power rankings work out, but. Most people would have picked the games that right, were, and the one we're sense. talking to, which you know coincidentally has a lot to do with yeah. the next game we're going to talk about, is CD East beating Dallas Town. CD East the ten seed, Dallas Town the seven seed. Um, but if you talk to coaches and media members and fans, they kind of probably would tell you CD East, even though they were six and four, was a better team than the nine and one Dallas Town, who had just lost the week prior to Red Lion, uh, with a lot on the line to. C- clinched the league title undefeated run undefeated season and they couldn't get it done so um cd east despite being the 10 seed everyone expected them to beat the seventh seventh seeded dallas town uh you know and, and that's what happened right so but before we get to that game wilson playing cd east let's talk about the harrisburg game and like you said you know final score 56 to 6 Harrisburg did not put up a lot of resistance they just couldn't get anything going they have some interesting players getting d1 looks uh, but they could not do anything against the Wilson defense and the Wilson offense had their way with them as well so why don't we dive in and take a look at some of the highlights while we talk about uh, what happened at Gursky a few weeks ago 
we're going to start out here with the Wilson offense. One of the things I guess we should point out, other than this spectacular run by Shane Dancer making multiple tacklers miss, is the wind was very strong that night. And one of the things that uh, set up some Wilson scores was that exact weather phenomena. The punting game was just disastrous. We saw Harrisburg punt two or three times in the first quarter, and they might have been better off going for it. Right, yeah. I think they had one punt that went literally one yard. Um, and, and it was one of those where the ball was traveling backwards but at the time it came down to the ground because the wind was so strong. Um, you know, honestly, you're not going to have many high school punters to be able to do anything in, in that wind. Um, Wilson struggled punting the very few times they, they needed to. Um, it was just the wind was, was brutal. Um, so that did set up some good opportunities for, for Wilson to get things going early. Yeah, and um, another interesting thing that happened in this game was Wilson did not return a kick except for after Harrisburg blown touchdown near the end of the fourth quarter because Coach Doms and the staff decided to kick off to start the game. I believe they uh, they had to kick off to start the game, and they pinned Harrisburg with the bad uh, – the bad uh, weather with the bad wind, but then Wilson was set to receive the second half kickoff, but they instead chose to ch- defend a direction and allow Harrisburg to receive the ball uh, if they so chose to, which they did. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people were confused by that. But I mean, look, you're up 49 nothing. It doesn't and make much of a difference. You got better position than you would have if right. you would have received the ball. So allowing um, the, the remnants of the first team. The short field to work with, that have the defense stop them. Wilson be able to go down. Um, yeah, I mean it, it all worked out. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. I know some people would like to make a bigger deal out of it than it was, but um, it's not often you see teams return or kick off both times to start the first and second half. But that's what happened. So we're about halfway through the highlights against Harrisburg again. Um, just the big takeaways again. Wilson just kind of did what they wanted. Again, the Bulldogs led 49 to nothing at halftime. Probably the most interesting component was the Wilson defense held Harrisburg, and this is for the entire game, to just 99 total offensive yards. They had negative 26 on the ground. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, the defense was definitely ready to play the, against a team that can make some plays. Perhaps the crazier stat is that on their lone touchdown in the fourth quarter, they went 77 yards for that touchdown, which means prior to that, they essentially had 22 total yards gained um, midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah, as, as you're seeing right now, this was, I think, a play that um, came, I think it was in the second half. I'm not exactly sure. It might have been in the first half still. Um, but Wilson kicked off, and Harrisburg just didn't get the ball. Yeah, it um, wasn't meant to be an onside kick. No, like we said, the wind was crazy, so you were trying to, you know, kick it maybe not quite as deep, but you were still, um, yeah, it was just it was crazy how uh, the wind was affecting. And you see a, a monster kick there right. with the wind. He's <laughs> kicking with the wind. Right. And now Mason McElroy is going to take this one down all the way, oh, ready so to close. go, so close. He's tackled at the two. <laughs> and we let him know about it too we did but now jake game is going to take again out of the wildcat or the heavy set and go in for one of his many scores there uh actually gaiman and his teammate john fox both scored three touchdowns against the cougars they they scored six touchdowns combined against against the cougars um 
there are only two, only two other touchdowns scored by anyone else on the field. Uh, John Fox actually had all three on the on the ground, while Jake Gaiman had two on the ground and one through the air, uh, uh, you which saw you right just there. saw right there. It was perfect timing. Yeah, we way to cue that. That was perfect. So again, Wilson just absolutely dominating, fifty-six to six. This last play here in the highlights is going to be the final play of the first half. You're going to see an interception by Jake Gaiman, but John Fox absolutely level the Harrisburg receiver. <laughs> Um, in that, that, that Hail Mary there. And one of the final highlights here, we're going to see some backups and JV get some time. Backup quarterback Connor Yurg hands off to sophomore running back Trevor Hatley. And um, I believe that may have been the last touchdown of the game for Wilson. And there's the final score, 56-6. to So another great effort by the team. And uh, Wilson moves on to the second round of the playoffs. And as I mentioned, CD East upset Dallastown, upset according right. to the seeds, and got to come to Gursky for the round of eight in the 2015 D3 Quad A playoffs. And uh, before we move on to that, I guess we should do player of the game yep. for the Harrisburg game, um, which was one of the two gentlemen that I mentioned, and that is Jake Gaiman this time around. So our player of the game for week 11 Senior wide receiver cornerback Jake Gaiman against Harrisburg. He had four rushes for 64 yards and two rushing touchdowns. He also added that one reception for 19 yards, which was a touchdown. We saw that in the highlights. So Gaiman, once again, with his battery mate, John Fox, contributing uh, three touchdowns apiece. And uh, Jake is our player of the game for Week 11, the first round of the playoffs, versus Harrisburg. All right, so... We move on to the second round of the playoffs, hosting C.D. East, who Wilson had played in Week 2 at Landis Field, and uh, came out on top of that game 38 to nothing. Um, the defense scored two touchdowns on fumble recoveries. They also added a fake punt touchdown. Um, the offense was able to contribute 17 as well, and the defense did their part, shutting them down completely, and Wilson walked away with the 38 nothing victory. It was a exclamation point because a lot of people were – were doubting the Bulldogs in week two after not looking so great against Mifflin. And uh, a lot of people actually picked the Panthers to win in week two, and, and Wilson would have nothing uh, to do with that. Now, the Panthers came in looking a lot better towards the end of the season and obviously beating Dallastown at Dallastown, and they came to Gursky and uh, looked like a much different team than what we saw in week two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they... They, they struggled to get anything going um, in, in week two. They did have a couple, but, you know, they had some heartbreaking mistakes in week two, like when they drive down to the one-yard line and then give up a fumble that gets run back all the way for a touchdown. Um, you know, so while the game was lopsided in week two, it, it wasn't as lopsided as you may as it may have appeared. And CD East, as they always will, and through that run of the mid-pen conference, is going to get a lot better and get a lot of experience. And they were ready to go uh, when they came to Gursky um, in in week two of the playoffs. And as uh, as we put up on the screen, you you can see that that was uh, the end of the Wilson season. Um, CD East was able to, um, you know, I I the names let me I'm sure you know, but the the quarterback for CD Jihad East Nadara. had an amazing game. Yeah, he, he played um, a great game. I I can't really speak to game of his season because I, I don't know but he was the guy you knew about coming in yep and he he made plays well um, he was their guy last year too he right. was a junior starting quarterback yep. safety last year he set and the tone um not a ton through the air but no. a threat through the air because of the receivers that they have right um 
you know, and and he has an arm. He can he can throw it up there. But they're not going to beat you a, a lot through the air. They're going to beat you on the ground. They, they threw he, it sixteen times. They had nine completions, but they only had sixty five yards. Where right. they did their damage was on the ground. They had fifty rushes for two hundred and forty six yards. You don't see Wilson giving up almost two hundred fifty yards on the ground very often. But CD East, and you mentioned it, they came in, they were ready to go. And they played like a team that didn't want to lose to Wilson for the fourth time in 14 months. You know, just right. a little over a year, these teams played four times. Yeah. They played in week two of the regular season. Both of those were pretty resounding Wilson victories. Last year in week two, Wilson won 31-14. to 14. I think that kind of shocked a lot of people. Yeah. Because CD East was coming off of a from 2013 they shocked people in the playoffs beating Mifflin among other teams right. uh, looking good in 2013 they came in pretty stacked in 2014 and Wilson I think Wilson was actually up 31 nothing in that game before they used their athleticism and scored two quick touchdowns the final score was 31 14 they met in the uh, the final four of the district playoffs last year at Wilson and Wilson eked out a nine to six victory kicking a, a field goal with I believe just a few minutes to left to play in the game um, pushing Wilson to the district three title game then as I mentioned in week two of this year Wilson um, on the scoreboard beat up on CDs pretty bad 38 to nothing but again as coach Dom's a alliterate or kind of set in the papers leading up to the game the game wasn't as big of a blowout or big as a beatdown from the Bulldogs as people thought it was just looking uh, at that final score of 38 nothing. Like we said, two defensive touchdowns, a special teams touchdown. The offense scored only 17 points. Right. Defense did some good things, but CD East seemed to be a little bit out of uh, out of it at the time. Uh, right. And that was not the case and, no, they in were the second clicking, week of the playoffs. They were clicking when they came to West Lawn this time. Yeah, and, and like they said, they rushed for almost 250 yards against the Bulldogs defense that I mentioned going in, the varsity unit had given up only 36 points, and not a lot of that right. space that opposing teams were getting was through the ground. Right, yeah, and, you know, when when you look at it, um, the starting defense, um, I guess twice this year, gave up 20 points, um, and the, the starters, that is, and, you know, those end up being the two games that, that Wilson came out on the on, from our view, the wrong end. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, we're obviously, you know, we're sitting right. here hosting the Bulldog Hour, so obviously we're going to say but, they came up on the wrong end but, of that one. you know, arguably, um, you know, Central Dolphin is up there, obviously, one of the best teams they've played and is still there. And CD East lost this week in the playoffs, didn't they? Yeah, yes. to Cumberland Valley. They just fell to Cumberland Valley, um, which actually ended up being on the, literally the last play of the game. Um, right. CD East was down 16-14. to 14. Their kicker lined up for a field goal. And it was a short one, 21 yarders, so pretty much, you know, he close was to an extra point. pretty well point. last week. And uh, Cumberland Valley busted through, blocked the kick, returned it for a touchdown for a final score of 22-14. So Cumberland Valley will play Central Dolphin in the District 3 Championship game. Central Dolphin uh, managed to hold on and beat Hempfield uh, mm. at Landis Field in overtime. They were able to score a touchdown following a Hempfield field goal on their first overtime possession. They so the Rams won twenty seven to fourteen. So you'll have a mid pen rematch in the district final. Central Dolphin actually lost to Cumberland Valley in the regular season seventeen to fourteen. Cumberland Valley kicked a last second field goal of their own, a big forty plus yarder to win the game for the Eagles. But the Rams were missing a bunch of key I've heard players. About seven, yeah, starters six, seven, down. eight. Um, Couple to injury, but I think there were some, uh, There's some team other suspensions yeah. going on for that. Uh, I know for a fact one of them was Mika Parsons, 
uh, did not play in that game. And actually, I don't think he played for four or five games yeah. uh, due to a violation of team rules. Uh, he is back now in the playoffs and uh, will be on the field for the Rams against Cumberland Valley this coming Saturday in Hershey for the 2015 District 3 title game. But anyways, back to the Wilson stuff. The Wilson CD East game actually went to overtime. I'm not sure we've said that yet. Uh, the game was tied 14-14. to uh, Wilson ended up getting the ball first. CD East elected to play defense first. Wilson offense went on the field and was uh, stuffed on four downs. The field goal unit actually trotted out on the field. Wilson took a timeout and decided against the field goal. They wanted to try to score the touchdown, and um, that just wasn't going to happen. Uh, CD East defense uh, just came through and uh, stopped Shane Dantzler. And then CD East, I think, on their second play on their possession yep. in overtime was able to get the touchdown. And uh, that was it. The Wilson season came to an end. Uh, so we do have um, film from the game to uh, show you. So let's uh, jump to that right now. Yeah, as as, uh, as we pull up the video, um, we, uh, you know, like, uh, like Joe mentioned, uh, there were lots of things uh, kind of coming into the game, uh, kind of setting up. Um, you know, uh, this rematch, uh, CD East was, uh, well-prepared and ready to go yet <laughs> early on, yep. um, another huge special teams play like in week two, different play. Um, they ran the ball in, in week, uh, two here, they passed out of that, uh, fake punt. Um, but that led to, uh, Wilson's that set up Wilson's first touchdown. Of yeah, the game. which sorry for the angle, the, the sideline view didn't work, so I had to go to the end zone. Of course, it was the opposite end zone. Um, but yeah, the, the highlights are quick here because the the Wilson highlights really just weren't too many to go through. The fake punt, um, which Jake Klein returned from his lacerated kidney he suffered against McCaskey, he was back for this game, so he was doing punting, playing some outside linebacker. He took the fake punt, flew to Alex Toyford, set up the first touchdown that you saw. Um, then we saw a touchdown from Jake Gaiman, and that was pretty much all that I clipped there. Um, I, I think one of the, the plays that maybe we didn't get to mention or talk much about was uh, the fourth and one play in the yeah. third quarter. Um, now, watching the film, getting ready for this show, I did see the referee blow the whistle okay. and signal it dead. Um, so a lot of people said he didn't do that, that he was making that up. It, it definitely did happen. Now, whether anyone heard it, is that's right. beyond me, but it doesn't really matter because there's proof that he blew the whistle and did the, the you know his hand thing that he has to do. Um, but the more pressing question is, should it have been whistled dead? I think that's kind of more important because where he whistled it dead, Wilson was short. But the end of the play, Shane Dancer and the Wilson offensive unit was about Gained three about four, yards, four yeah. yards past the marker. So when they moved the ball, you know, about six, ten inches short of the the yard marker. Um, the coaching staff and the Wilson sideline were not happy about it. Yeah, yeah, and there was only one official whistling it dead. The others were letting it play on. You know, it lots of lots of what ifs, but that that kind of leads to you know the game the game itself had a, had a lot of what ifs. Yeah, so. and actually, I'll pull this back up and let's take a look at it here. Um, I have Shane Dantzler is highlighted here in the circle. You can see Wilson is facing about uh, fourth and one and a half or so. Um, and this is the play that we're talking about here. You're going to see there in the heavy formation, it goes to Fox. Danzler gets hit near the line, and you're going to see the ref blow it dead just short, but everyone else is still moving, and Shane ends up a good four yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, but they walked it back, ruled Wilson was short, CD's got the ball. And I mean, look where Wilson was, yeah. where, where Wilson would have had the ball. Um, 
if they would have spotted it where they finished, it would have been about the 20, 21, 20 yard line. Um, You know, this is late in the third quarter. Uh, Wilson was still up 14 to seven. So this is, this is a huge uh, change for the, the referees. Um, You know, some people say his momentum was stopped. That's where it should have been marked. And obviously others are going to say it was not. And the pile got pushed. It should have been a first down. Um, we're not going to get into that conjecture because I don't know that one way or the other it's actually clear which it should have been. Right, right. So I'm not going to say that it definitely uh, was a bad call. He definitely did blow the whistle. You can see that very clearly um, that he was signaling dead, of course. Now, should he have done that is, is the bigger question. Um, you know, But we're not going to nitpick over calls like that. Um, no, like you said, Wilson Wilson still had the lead at that point. You know, it wasn't that wasn't in overtime or anything like that. Wilson had their opportunities. Um, obviously, you know, we talk about who knows how things go uh, differently from there. However, um, they had their opportunities. CD East capitalized on more of their opportunities that they had uh, down the stretch, and and that was kind of how the game ended up playing out. Yeah, Wilson was now to go back to the first half, um, and you saw it. Wilson was moving pretty good they went up 14 nothing they controlled the game now cd's offense was moving they just weren't getting points right. off their drives we saw them miss a field goal which from a certain angle at points looked good now we weren't underneath it um so it's hard for us to say um underneath the goalpost it may have been wider than it looked because we were way down to the other side of the field um cd's was moving the ball they just weren't getting the points um, but Wilson couldn't stop the run. Again, they allowed 246 yards on the ground, 15 first downs rushing, and CDs had three players with 78 or more rushing yards. Yeah, if you tell me going into a game, a playoff game, especially that Wilson starting defense is going to give up almost 250 yards, I'm going to tell you that like, that's probably going to be a, a close game, and Wilson's probably going to struggle in that game. And and that's what just because that's so atypical. Yeah, uh, right. Of, no, of it Wilson definitely teams, is. That tells you something is is off there, and uh, that that basically was kind of what it looked like. Yeah, I mean, besides some a few missed throws here and there, a couple drop passes that that stand out. The other big statistics that stand out: one, Wilson didn't have any turnovers. Right. There, there weren't interceptions or fumbles. Anything that could just give the ball to now there were turnover on downs, right. but none were the. It but there was for both teams too. exactly, yeah. but no interceptions or fumbles, and uh, I mean that's just shocking. Yeah. Um, and also Wilson only had one penalty accepted against them, so it's right. not like they were getting flagged often a lot. It's just they they were they were outplayed on the field, which yep. it, it doesn't happen often. So I mean hats off to CDs for coming Absolutely. with a great game plan. They played with. Uh, incredible desire like we said you don't want to lose to a team four times in right. 14 and months wilson ended their season last year at wilson like they knew exactly what they were getting into here um you know and it's just they they were ready to go and and they showed that again this week uh they came up a little short but you know they 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 improved a lot from week two where they just oh, weren't clicking to night the end and the day season. night and day and again you know, that strength of that mid-pen schedule, I think, helps them out a little bit just because they're playing tough games. As long as they don't week. give up and cave in, you know, they get a few losses. Sometimes teams will give up. Right. Um, they let it, you know, they learn going through the gauntlet. Yep. Uh, and it definitely made them a better team for sure. The, the last stat and the last thing I want to focus on in this game, and this goes, you know, when a team is, is running the way that they are, right. with the game plan they're using, and they're operating it to a T, time of possession. CD East had nearly... 
30 minutes with the ball. Wilson yeah. just a shade over 18. Yeah, that's yeah that that's gonna definitely uh, when you look at how that kind of plays out in the defense. You know when they're running it right down your throat. You know, now I say that it wasn't like they were lining up in the eye formation. Like right. it was lots of like it was, it was spread. Yeah, it was spread. And, yeah. And so you're they weren't to, necessarily running it down your throat. You're but respecting with that many rushing yards. It, the athletic you know. talent that they had and the spread formation they were running. It was tough to uh, to counter right. uh, the the, sh- the runs up the middle. The the quarterback keeping and the option. We saw the option. They ran the option very very well against the Wilson defense. Uh, but yeah, time of possession. C D E's almost thirty minutes to Wilson's just a shade of eighteen. Um, and then that was it. Uh, in overtime, CD East takes down Wilson uh, by a score of 20-14, to 14, and that's how the 2015 season ended mm-hmm. on the field. Um, so the last player of the game to give out from the Bulldog Hour for the first year back uh, is going to go finally to a defensive player, except when we did the cop-out against Mannheim Township and chose the yeah, entire yeah. defense. Uh, we think that Ike Schonauer was the the best player on the field for the Bulldogs against CD East, um, besides blocking on the offensive line, um, which, you know, the Bulldogs did get over 150 yards on the ground and score two rushing touchdowns, but his play on defense was just phenomenal against CD East, and it's been phenomenal for the last uh, three, well, four seasons. And uh, Ike Schonauer had 23 tackles against CD East, which is a new Wilson program record. 11 of those were solo. So congratulations to Ike for being named the Week 12 Player of the Game from the Bulldog Hour. All right, so a couple things here to touch up before we go. We want to highlight some of the uh, some of the other individual performances from the, the year. Um, in rushing, Shane Dantzler for the season had 76 carries for 583 yards and seven touchdowns in seven games. Obviously, he missed five full games because of his injury and uh, didn't play fully in a few after he was back. Um, Even with uh, the season, which obviously wasn't nearly as long as he had expected due to the injury, he still ends up third on the career carries list with 482, fourth on the career rushing list with over 3,300 yards, 3,357 to be exact. He's third on career total yards, uh, that's rushing and receiving combined with 3,730, and he'll finish seventh on the career scoring with 234 points for the Bulldogs. Yeah, um, you know, moving moving on to passing, uh, Colin Powers, who really, you know, we talked about this before, kind of stepped into this role uh, over the summer, um, and you know, it was a little bit of an unsettled position. Uh, did really well. Um, he ended the season at you know passing at a, his completion percentage was sixty one point three percent, which is uh, great. You know, if you can get up into the sixties, uh, that's doing well. And he passed for eighteen hundred and forty one yards and eighteen touchdowns to only two inter- interceptions. That's yeah. that's an amazing. The number. Uh, two interceptions will be the the fewest um, interceptions I believe thrown by a, a Wilson starting quarter quarterback. Right. And and that leads to a rating, you know, where you're calculating here of 152.63 over 12 games. That's that's an absurd number. Right. Um, he he really uh, mastered the offense and, and got things going uh, very well. And we mentioned played some of his best games in some of their biggest games. Yeah, I mean, his best game of the year was against Central Dolphins. Right. He essentially he plays one one year, you know, as as quarterback where he's going to actually make any throws. Twelve. He was twelfth on the career yardage list. Fifth on the career rating list, 
second on the career completion percentage list, and sixth on the single-season passing yards list. When you think about some of the quarterbacks that have played at right. Wilson, um, that's that's a pretty accomplished list there uh, for uh, an, an abbreviated you know tenure. A lot of the guys on those lists were multi-year starters, yeah. and Colin got one-year starter and really played a great year and helped lead this team. Yeah, it's really amazing, and it's funny, you know, looking back over the years now, um, Jake Templin last year. Now, we knew he was going to start because he, he did a couple spot starts in 2013 for Matt Timoshenko when he had, uh, I believe, mono. Uh, Jake Templin played a couple mm-hmm. games as a junior. So we knew he was going to start, but I'm not sure how much was expected of him from, from the fans and the community. And he went on to have, I mean, depending on how you look at it, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest season in Wilson quarterback history. Um, he, he set the single season touchdown passes record, um, and was just, uh, uh, dynamic leading the offense, which, uh, the team went 14 and one winning a district title going undefeated for the season. Uh, the 2014 season was a great one. And that was a lot of it had to do with the player, Jake Templin, Colin Powers, the same thing here. No one really expected him to even have the job. We thought it was going to be Jake Klein. uh, you know, back in the spring. And then as the summer goes on, you get into the summer workout sessions and uh, Colin really started to, to show the coaching staff something, and they knew the role that Jake was going to play on special teams and defense, and they are like, maybe it's better to let a uh, quarterback be the quarterback, which Wilson doesn't like to play their quarterbacks both ways, and I can't even remember the last time a quarterback played both ways for Wilson, uh, which we may talk about in a few minutes here. Um, but, yeah, Colin Powers, what a great year from him for the senior, and you went over the statistics and where he ranks on some of these lists now, and it's crazy. Um, and I, I say this every year because it's been a while since Wilson's had a multi-year starter. Wouldn't it be great if you know one of these guys was back for another year? It's mm-hmm. so awesome when you have a multi-year starter. It's a position so important like a quarterback. Um, but we may be having that here um, in the season yeah. coming up. Um, but on to receiving now. We had a couple of, of, of big receivers this year, one of which will be back next year, and that's the, the leading receiver from the 2015 Bulldogs and tight end Alex Twyford. He had 33 catches, which was the team lead for 460 yards, also the team lead, and had three touchdowns in 12 games. Next was John Fox, also in 12 games. He had 19 catches for 403 yards and the team leading seven touchdown receptions. He's going to finish his career tied for fifth on the career touchdown receptions list. He only played receiver for two years. Yeah, and um, interesting, all three of these guys we're going to mention here in the receiving also contributed in the rushing game. Correct, <laughs> yes. And, uh, yes, Twyford, Fox, Gaiman um, were right back there with the Dancer, depending on if it was the Wildcat or if it was the heavy set. Uh, but Fox's uh, teammate, Jake Gaiman, finished the season with 28 catches for 396 yards and five touchdowns in 11 games he missed the mccaskey game and he's going to finish tied for eighth on the wilson career receptions list with 62 so both of them be in the record book uh, multiple times just a highlight there for each of them in the receiving facet looking at scoring for the season um wilson put up a lot of points john fox and jake game both contributed 12 touchdowns this season between Receiving and rushing, Alex Twyford had nine touchdowns, and we know that he had three receiving. He had a few um, on the ground as well, and then defensively. And Shane Dantzler, despite only playing in seven games, contributed eight touchdowns as well. So why don't you take a look at the total offensive yards for the season where some of the guys stacked up. As we get to, as we mentioned, a lot of the guys uh, 
that we're receiving were also uh, lined up in the backfield a number of times. Uh, Jake Gaiman, when you add his rushing and receiving yards together, ends the year with 717 uh, offensive yards. Uh, John Fox at 688, and Shane Dantzler, again, with the shortened season, uh, still uh, got 636 yards. Now, flipping the side of the field and looking at defense, you have to start with Ike Schonauer. But before we, we dive into his accomplishments, both this season and in his four-year career, I do want to mention, and I said this earlier in the show during one of the highlights, but um, some of the contributions from players maybe not expected to make as huge an impact on the stat sheet, uh, Ben Harris and definitely Brett Kaufman, who had six and a half sacks this year, I believe um, that was the number that I looked at in the statistics uh, what a great year from him. Uh, no, another one of those senior leaders that many people don't hear of, but then step up big time and have a phenomenal season. And there, that happens every year. Yep. Um, but just to highlight, Ben Harris, Brett Kaufman, great seasons from them. Uh, but Ike Schonauer, the leader of that defense for the last two seasons, uh, starter for the last three. Uh, we knew we were going to see big things from him, and he delivered. Uh, he had 82.5 tackles this season, um, or depending on how you – depending on how you calculate them. And we've right. gotten into discussion uh, in the past with some of the players. According to the official stat sheet, it's 82 and a half. But if you look at the history books, they count the solo and the assisted to in, to in total. So a lot of people think assists count as half. So that would make him 82 and a half this year. If he had 55 solo, 55 assists, you add them together, it's 110. But the official stat books listed as 82 and a half. But the Wilson history book will list him at 110. Uh, and that's what we'll be talking about from here on out as we talk about some of the other players in their their tackles. So Ike Schonauer, 110 tackles for the 2015 season. He had 11 for loss and five sacks, an interception, a fumble recovery, and a breakup in all 12 games. And some of those get him on the on a uh, program record or higher on the program record sheet because he's been doing that basically since he started playing for Wilson. Uh, he's fifth on the single-season tackles list uh, for the 2015 season at 110, but he's also second <laughs> with, with uh, his uh, um, year in 2013 and eighth with his year last year in 2014. He also will end up 11th on the career sacks list, getting 11 and a half in his four years, and... Uh, the big one, which we just mentioned, in the, his last game played for the Bulldogs on Gursky Field, he totaled 23 tackles against CD East, which is a single-game record. I don't think – I think the closest off the top of my head was 18 or 19, so he obliterated the record. Yeah, that's that's hard to do. <laughs> and uh, with his uh, performance there, um, getting first on the single-game tackles list, he also finds himself third and tenth on the single-games tackle list. I believe one of those also coming this year. I think he had 16 um, earlier this season in, in a game. Uh, so obviously he makes a lot of tackles. So this shouldn't surprise anyone that he finishes second on the career tackles list uh, right behind one of the only, not only linebackers, but any player to play for the Bulldogs to, to play and start all four years. Uh, Colton Weaver is number one with 360. Ike Schonauer finishes second with 346 tackles in four years. That's amazing. It is absolutely incredible. And uh, there's a, there's a, you know, if he wasn't on that 2012 team as a freshman, he possibly could have been starting, but that team was so right. stacked. It's t it was tough for him to break the rotation. Now, he saw time. He saw varsity time. Um, but it's, it's crazy to think uh, 
that there's a there's players like Colton Weaver who started for four years. Um, when a player like Ike Shano was, you know, only for three and a handful of games, you know, nothing, nothing major there for him. But congratulations to Ike. What an incredible career there uh, for uh, a, the uh, third of four Sean Hour boys, which we've got Wyatt for two more years. So yep. there's still a Sean Hour to watch on, on the turf at Gursky. Uh, why don't you finish up with here with the last defensive player to highlight, which we've talked about a lot already in Mr. John Fox. Yeah, John Fox kind of just been everywhere on the field, just like, all the games um so uh to kind of look at his uh his defensive statistics here you know 42 and a half tackles 28 solo 29 assists uh three and a half for lost uh, two interceptions three breakups um uh, and a block kick in in the 12 games uh for the year so when if you look at his career totals he's 10th uh, he's tied for 10th on career interceptions list with nine and 11th uh, on the career tackles list with 180 yeah, and the career tackles listed in Wilson program history, again, will give uh, John 57 tackles for this year, 28 solo, 29 assists, um, which will bump him up to 180, which is good for 11th in Wilson program history. Once again, another four-year player, three-year starter, um, and, and just a, a, a leader of the defense uh, with Ike the last two seasons. And speaking of John Fox, we should wrap this up here and award our player of the year. In case you couldn't tell by that terrible segue, it is going to be Mr. John Fox for his efforts of the 2015 season. We are naming John our 2015 player of the year from the Bulldog Hour. Now, this one was a tough one to pick. Uh, it seemed every week there, like we said, two or three guys. It was tough to pick out a player of the game. Um, when it all came down, we didn't want to cop out and pick two or three people. Um, we ended up going with the one, and we thought it should be John Fox or his play this season uh, in all facets of the game. Um, yeah, but Jake Gaiman, Ike Schonauer, uh Colin Powers, uh, you know, and a plethora of linemen. You know, it's so hard to gauge the impact of the linemen, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And don't think we're overlooking you guys. It's just, it's tough. It's really tough to do. Uh, when when all, it all came down to it, we just thought uh, John Fox uh, had one great year and one great career uh, for the red and white. And uh, he is our 2015 player of the year. So congratulations to John and the entirety of the players for the 2015 Bulldogs 10-2 and two extending a ton of streaks and uh, doing the Wilson uh, community and school district proud. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I know the season didn't, uh, you know, necessarily come to the end that uh, some of the guys had hoped for, but, you know, they they, they played a lot of good football this year and uh, were exciting to watch and, uh, you know, um, you know, kept, kept things going. And, you know, some of the younger guys got some experience too. Uh, so hopefully they can keep it rolling into next year. Speaking of next year. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess before we go to next year, 2016, looking just a little bit at what is coming back, a couple thank yous we want to mention um, coming out from the Bulldog <coughs> Hour. Uh, first, um, John Fox's grandparents, the Hendersons, have been supporters of the show and have helped us a great deal. So we want to thank uh, them, the Hendersons, for uh, their contributions to the Bulldog Hour this season. And um, also the Wilson Athletic Department, um, <clears throat> Drew Kaufman and his uh, contributions and, and uh, words of wisdom and everything along the way as we did this this year. Uh, we want to thank uh, Drew and, and his contingent at the athletic office. Uh, and also, you know, the football team. Uh, we kind of were given 
almost unlimited access of whatever we could from from the players and coaches and the staff, um, both on the sideline in the locker room before and after games throughout the season and the preseason. And uh, we just want to thank Coach Dom's uh, his entire staff and all of the players um, from the seniors to the to the freshmen. Uh, thank you for a, a good first year for us, and thank you for uh, allowing us uh, so much access to uh, get this show out to the people that are interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't be uh, possible without those uh, contributions. All right, so put a bow on the 2015 season. And very quickly before we leave here for uh, the final time this, this year in the uh, the debut uh, season of the Bulldog Hour, we're going to look at 2016. And here are just a few, if you're watching, a list of players that are returning that were starters this year, key contributors this year, or may have even been injured and not being able to play this year. Uh, most of these are juniors to be seniors, but there are a couple uh, at the end that are sophomores to be juniors. Um, this, the starters, uh, Fode Jello started at wide receiver and outside linebacker. He'll be back. Same thing with Alex Twyford, tight end, defensive end, um, uh, linebacker, inside linebacker, Leo Quigley. Offensive tackle and defensive end, Isaiah Regal. Offensive center, Jake Morris. Uh, Tommy O'Brien, who kind of filled in in a bunch of different areas. I don't know if anyone actually named him a starter, but he played so much. He actually has absolutely has to be included on this list, and he'll be seeing a lot of time at running back and safety. He also filled in at linebacker because of the injuries this year. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because... Uh, if someone else steps up at safety, he may shift down the linebacker. We saw that happen with uh, Johnny Rafe Snyder a few years ago. With the emergence of John Fox, mm -hmm. he was able to shift down to an outside linebacker position. Um, among the other names, some of the younger guys, especially we mentioned Wyatt Schonauer, but Connor Urig is the one that we alluded to a little bit ago talking about what's going to happen at quarterback with Colin Powers leaving. Connor Urig, the second half of the year and into the playoffs, when a, a backup had to come in at quarterback, Yurig was the first one they turned to, and he's only a sophomore. And we saw him at times able to do it through the air, but especially do it with his feet. And he is absolutely a dual-threat guy. It'll be interesting to see if they change the offense at all to take advantage of what he'll bring to the table. Um, he's probably the closest that they'll get to uh, uh, Seth Klein from a few years ago. Um, since then, you have more pure pocket guys in Matt Timochenko and Colin Powers. Now, Jake Templin had the ability to do it, but they preferred him to stay in the pocket. Um, so Yurig will be the first in you know a few years now that it, he really is a dual threat um, through the air and on the ground. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if he's the one that gets the job. There's a stable of quarterbacks that um, they could turn to, but Yurig seems to be the one that they were favoring as the year ended. And like we mentioned, if he does get the job, he'll only be a junior, so he'll be a, a Wilson quarterback for two years um, and also the two-way thing. He was also kind of the, one of the first ones off the bench in the, uh, in the secondary. And uh, could he possibly see some time at safety? Um, that's up in the air. If he gets the quarterback job, I would say probably not. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot to, that they have to kind of sort out there yet. Um, but like, like you said, just going off of the things that we saw this year uh, definitely you know, raises that possibility for next year. Yeah, so, well, I think that about does it for us here um, on the Bulldog Hour, at least for 2015. Um, we'll put um, the show for the season to bed here uh, with four episodes. Um, we'd like to come back and do it more next year. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, there's always a, a, the issue of funding, which we do this 
on our own dime and on our own free time, which we love to do. It's been a lot of fun doing these first four episodes. I'd love to do it again more next year. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, and we, we just want to mention before we sign off the contributions from some of our sponsors, um, th- mostly my dad at May Sandwich Shop that helped us get things started this season uh, for the show. So thanks again to, uh, to Bill and uh, the folks at May Sandwich Shop for supporting us. And do you have anything to say to wrap up uh, the no, show or the 2015 season? Just to kind of reiterate the thank yous uh, that you kind of mentioned before, you know, lots of people contributing in different ways to kind of allow us to be able to do it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. So I think with that, we will finish the show here uh, for the final time for the 2015 season. So until the, uh, the late winter or early spring when we finally know what's going on with the PAAA stuff, uh, we'll debut season two of the Bulldog Hour uh, sometime in the future. Definitely like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us on all those social networks so you know when the next episode will be airing. And uh, if you have uh, the ability, definitely contribute uh, in any way possible. Um, whether it's a straight donation or if it's through our Patreon campaign where you pledge per video, uh, any every little bit helps uh, to keep the show going because we definitely want to be able to do that. Um, so I think that's it. Congratulations to the coaching staff and the players on another successful Wilson football season. Uh, Ten wins, another league title. Um, so I think that's about it. Yeah, signing off for the 2015 yeah. season. So that's it for 2015. I'm Joe Mays. And I'm Justin off And go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.